What's most important to you when it comes to choosing your financial advisor? Someone who's aligned with your biblical values. How about someone who will take the time to explain your options? Certified Kingdom Advisors are professionals who meet high standards in competence and integrity and have been trained to offer biblical financial advice. To find a Certified Kingdom Advisor in your area, visit faithfi.com and click Find a CKA. If you're tired of living paycheck to paycheck, you can make a decision today that will change your life. Hi, I'm Rob West. All you have to do is put God's financial principles into practice and then wait to see what happens. You'll be amazed at the results. I'll talk about how you can do it today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, like most things, the first step in making financial changes is admitting you have a problem and then identifying what you're doing wrong. So what's not right with the way you're handling money? Maybe you worry about bouncing a check or you fear the phone ringing because it might be a bill collector or you're dealing with the gas or electricity being turned off for non-payment. Maybe you argue with your spouse about money or you've stopped giving to your church because you're afraid you won't have enough. Those are all signs that something needs to change. And you shouldn't fear that change. It might be a little scary at first, but nowhere near as scary as living paycheck to paycheck. Following God's financial principles will give you welcome relief from worrying about money. Isaiah 43 tells us, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. I am doing a new thing. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So, how do you begin to bring about this change? Well, first, by dispelling the notion that God's Word doesn't contain everything you need to transform the way you handle money. Hebrews 4.12 reads, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Understanding and believing in biblical truth is essential. And the first principle you need to grasp is that God owns it all. In Psalm 24, 1, we find the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who live in it. When you fully embrace that principle, everything else can fall into place. You won't be consumed with thoughts about the way you're handling your money because it's not yours. Instead, you'll begin to think about managing God's money because you're simply his steward or manager of the resources he's temporarily entrusted to you. And as his steward, God will never abandon you to fend for yourself. He's always with you and he's promised to provide. Luke 12, 24 reads, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more valuable are you than the birds? Once you believe that God will provide, Scripture becomes your guide for changing the way you think and act about money. Instead of running away from God's financial principles, you'll run to them. The Bible says a lot about spending, saving, investing, and getting out of debt, along with contentment and generosity everything you need to know for wise money management. Take just one principle to start. Pray earnestly about it. Ask God for strength, discipline, and the desire to carry it out. 
Maybe that's setting aside a few dollars out of your paycheck or paying more than the minimum on your credit card or putting a little more in the collection plate. Pick one and stick with it. Then when that's a part of your life, you can go on to the next and the next. This is putting principle into practice. You do that with tools and structure, a budget, a will, a long-range financial plan, and so on. Now, if you're not living on a budget, you need to develop a spending plan now. Proverbs 27, 23 teaches, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. These days, our herds and flocks are our bank accounts. And there's no better tool for developing a spending plan than the FaithFi app. It uses the tried-and-true envelope budgeting system to plan and track all of your spending. You can download it in your app store today. Just search for FaithFi. That's Faith FI. It's a modern, simple tool that will give you control over your finances in a way perhaps you've never had. Now, many people find it difficult to change by themselves. They need someone to encourage them and to hold them accountable. As our friend Howard Dayton likes to say, to hold their fuzzy feet to the fire. You may need someone to keep you on track. It could be a spouse, another family member or friend, but someone to hold you accountable for staying on budget. So those are the tools you need to start putting God's financial principles into practice. And when you do, you'll see big changes in your life. Perhaps not right away, but be patient. It'll happen. And then you can stop worrying about money, and we hope you'll get started today. All right, your calls are next. The number to call is 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. By the way, you can call that number 24-7. I'm Rob West, and you're listening to Faith and Finance. Stick around. If you enjoy this radio program, you're going to love all of the many different resources waiting for you at faithfi.com and the FaithFi app. You'll find powerful wisdom, free podcasts, articles, videos, and more from leading voices such as Randy Alcorn, Howard Dayton, Ron Blue, and our own Rob West. Grow in wisdom and knowledge by connecting with a community of thousands of Christians striving to be good and faithful stewards at faithfi.com or by downloading the FaithFi app. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance program. For more than 30 years, they've been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including the short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back. This is Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls today, 800-525-7000. That's 800 800- Five two five seven thousand. Debt. What are some questions you should ask before taking on any debt? Before we head back to the phones, let me give you four questions to consider. The first is, is the economic return greater than the economic cost? Another way to say that would be, am I borrow for an asset that's appreciating? Uh, a home would fit into that category. What would not fit into that category is consumer debt, borrowing on a credit card for lifestyle expenses. So that's number one. Number two, am I presuming upon the future when I take the debt out? In other words, is there a guaranteed way to repay it. 
Number three, do I have unity with my spouse? If we don't agree on taking out this debt, we just don't do it. And then number four, are there any other alternatives to taking on debt? Is there another way to go about this? Could I delay the purchase and save? Should I, you know, if I'm doing a home renovation, do I do it in smaller projects that allows me to fund it out of current cash flow? Are there other alternatives? If we ask those four questions, perhaps it'll lead us to a better decision and often perhaps not taking on the debt in the first place. 800-525-7000. Do you have a financial question today or maybe you'd like to celebrate God's faithfulness in your life financially as you've been applying wisdom from his word? We'd love to hear from you. Again, lines are open. Our team is standing by. Uh, Luke will be taking your calls today. 800 800- Five two five seven thousand. Give us a call right now. Let's head to Florida. Genevieve, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, recently, I rolled over my four hundred one k. Well, uh, I was working with an advisor who was going to roll it over into an annuity, but I was declined because I have two other annuities, and they said I was in the surrender period or something. However, this money has landed on me. I know I'll be liable for taxes and I'm prepared to pay the taxes because I really have no savings. I do not have any cash reserve. And I thought the best thing to do is just hold on to that in case I need something on the house or or something happens to me and the children have to spend money. So I have it presently in my saving account, but I would like to know where I could put this money to get me some interest on it and it being available if I should need it. People talk to me about Roth IRA or or CD or, or the online banking, and I really don't know which I should pursue. Sure. Uh, how long ago did you take the money out of the 401k? Um, about a month ago. All right. Uh, you do have the ability to put it back in. I guess that would be my first question is, what was the reason you pulled it out and created the taxable event if you don't need it? Because I, 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 I'm retired. I retired in, in 2016, and I was getting a small RMD, which was like 90-something dollars a month from the, 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 the 401B, 401K. And, yes. and, and I was being taxed at 20% because apparently it's still attached to my employer. Right. So right. I didn't want, want to be paying all that you know, um, so I thought okay. I'd put it somewhere into another um, um, vehicle where I didn't have to pay the taxes. But there, the they, they, they annuity declined me. And then yeah. on second thoughts, I thought I have no money saved. I could keep that money for emergencies, yeah. but keep it somewhere I could get it. How much are we talking about that you pulled out? 46000 46,000. All right. Well, I would, before we move off of that, I mean, I would at least consider putting it back in. Um, you could put it back in if your plan administrator will allow you to. You'd normally have 60 days to do that. 
and it won't be a taxable event. And then you could roll it out to an IRA and you'd have complete control over it. It wouldn't be with your employer any longer. It'd be in an individual retirement account at any one of the brokerage firms like Fidelity or Schwab. And if you ever needed some money, you could call them and tell them to send you a check and they would make a distribution. But in the meantime, you could put it in laddered CDs so you could have guaranteed instruments. You could put it in money market, you know, earning 4% or more. Um, So you could keep it safe, allow it to grow modestly uh, and still have access to it. They could even give you check writing privileges on the IRA, which just simply means anytime you write a check, as long as you have the cash available and we'd want a cash portion uh, of this IRA, it would, you know, go to wherever you want, either pay it to yourself or, um, you know, someone else. So in a sense, you'd have the money available, but you wouldn't create a a taxable event on this 46,000 all in one year which is what's going to happen if you, you know, don't put the money back in. Uh, If you decided you just didn't want it inside a retirement account, whether it was a 401k or my ideal, uh, my idea of an IRA, which you'd have to roll it into after you put it back in, um, then I would say if you want it liquid and safe, I think your options are, you know, for total liquidity, you'd want it either in a money market account or a high yield savings account right now with the online banks, they're paying nearly 4%. Uh, you can get up as high as 5% even in some cases. Um, you could also look at CDs. So you could take a third of it and put it in a, you know, leave it in the cash or the money market or the savings account. Maybe a third of it goes into, um, you know, the uh, a six-month CD and a third of it in a 12-month CD. And then every six months, you've got a third of it coming due, which you could either move it to savings or roll it over into another uh, you know, one year CD. So, uh, those are the options. What, what sounds like it would be the best fit for you, Genevieve? I really don't want to go back into the, um, employer business. You know, I've been retired all this time. So, um, and, and, okay. and then if I should get any money else, I'd be paying the 20%. I would like, um, the Roth IRA sounds good to me, but whether I put it in the Roth IRA, the CD, or the um, um, online banking, I'd still have to pay the tax up front. You know, you would, yeah. Now, but keep in mind the way you've done it is you don't have access to the put it into the Roth. Whereas if you went with my recommendation, you would. So, see, you're saying I don't want it with the employer, and I'm saying you don't have to stay with the employer. You could put the money back in the 401k, and then as soon as it hits the account, you could tell them you want to roll it out to an IRA. That individual retirement account is not with your previous employer. That's an individual account in your name. You control it. It's just a tax deferred environment. So you're not paying the taxes on the the $46,000 withdrawal. At that point, you could convert it to a Roth and pay the tax on it, or you could just pull the money out as you need it and pay the tax on it when you need it, but you wouldn't pay the tax all at once. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. So what I'm saying is option one is you've already taken the withdrawal. So this is all going to be taxable to you unless you get it back into the 401k before 60 days. So at that point, you've paid the tax. You can't get it in the Roth unless you do it, unless you have earned income and you could do that at up to 7,000 a year. But if you put it back in the 401k and then immediately turn around and roll it out to an IRA, now you've eliminated the tax liability and you've got the option to either let it sit there in, in uh, money market or CDs, 
pull it out as you need it, not all at once, or convert the whole thing to a Roth IRA, at which point you'd be doing the same thing you're doing now, and that is paying the tax on it. So I think those are your options. I would prayerfully consider, Genevieve, and see which uh, direction the Lord leads, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you very much. You're welcome. God bless you. Hey, just after this break, we'll be back with a lot more of your calls and questions. Stay with us. This is Faith and Finance. We're grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance program. Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. Do you feel like your hands are tied with debt, preventing you from serving God? If you have credit card debt, Christian Credit Counselors can help. Through our debt management program, we can get you out of credit card debt about 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. For more information on how Christian Credit Counselors can help, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985. 800-557-1985. We're back. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for taking the time. As we head into our calls and questions, I want to take a moment to ask you if you've downloaded the FaithFi app. You can use it on your desktop or your mobile device. All right, let's head to the phones. By the way, if you have a question, just call 800-525-7000. We're nearly full, but still a few lines open. So 800-525-7000 is the number to call. All right, let's dive into Indiana. Hi, Betty. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, we, We have a house that we've been selling our son on contract. And he has put money into the house, and now he wants to take a loan on the equity in the house to consolidate debt, which we assume probably is a lot of credit card debt. Okay. Is that, can he do that? I mean, does that, because we technically still own the house. Yeah. Can he get a loan? Right. Well, so there's, it depends on how you've set this up. So is there a purchase contract uh, for this? That was drawn up by an, a real estate an attorney. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and has there been a closing? Like, has this been, uh, you know, transferred into his name and then filed with the local county? And you're holding the mortgage, or no? No, he pays on contract, so the closing isn't actually until he gets it paid off. Okay. We still because the other way to go about this is you could create a purchase contract, and if it's drawn up correctly, then all the state required property disclosures are made, and the home, quote unquote, sells for fair market value, and a real estate attorney would help you 
you know, draw that up, you'd have to have a fair market value because it's not an arm's length transaction, meaning it's not a, an independent third party, it's a family member. And then once you have all of that in place, you'd proceed to closing and that would be closed and then it would be recorded, uh, you know, in the, the, the deed would be uh, in his name and then you could hold the mortgage. So that would be seller, uh, seller financing where you'd draw up a promissory note that includes the loan terms and record it with the local government. Uh, and you'd want to have a lawyer draw that up. Um, and then that would be in first position. And then, you know, if, if he wanted to, he could essentially, um, you know, uh, go about getting a second mortgage. Now, as to the, the viability of that strategy, I would encourage him, if you have the ability to do so, not to roll uh, debt, which I think you're assuming is credit card debt, into a home, even if he could, um, because that's just not a good strategy. It's going to take the pressure off. Oftentimes, it's going to allow him uh, to, you know, get out from under the pressure of the high interest and the monthly payments, spread it out over a long period of time. Now, unsecured debt is now secured by the house. Uh, and then if he didn't solve the underlying problem, the debt that led to the debt in the first place, the debt's going to come back in a period of time. And now he's got a, a second mortgage, essentially, and the credit card debt again. So I think the better approach would be to say, you know what, what you need to do is go into a debt management program, have these accounts closed, get on a budget, get the interest rates reduced through the credit counseling, which is my the approach I recommend. And then with one level monthly payment and the lower interest rates, you should be able to pay this back 80% faster. But it's going to establish the habits of living on a budget, doing the hard work of getting out of the debt, uh, you know, over time. And then hopefully he can continue those, you know, financial disciplines moving forward so he doesn't ever get back in that situation again. Um, so as to the first question, it really depends on how it was all structured and you'd need to talk to a real estate attorney about that. Uh, with regard to the second question, even if he can, I wouldn't recommend he roll uh, credit card debt into um, a second mortgage on a house. Well, we were concerned about the uh, credit card getting back into debt. Uh into debt with that. So I think the advice to do the debt management program probably is the best that we could come up with for him. I think that is. Plus, he'll have to put a budget together and really be, you know, take a hard look at what is the income he has coming in? What are his expenses? How does this uh, debt repayment fit into that, including his purchase contract with you and make some hard decisions on whether or not he needs to scale back his lifestyle so he has margin so he can build up an emergency fund and never find himself in credit card debt again, only using credit cards, if at all, for budgeted items. So I think that is the next step. Christian Credit Counselors, Betty's where I'd go at christiancreditcounselors.org. Thanks for your call today. Well, let's head back to the phones. Jennifer in Cleveland, go right ahead. Hi, thank you so much for your ministry. It is so appreciated. Oh, thank you. Well, my first, I actually, you're welcome. I have two questions. The first one is about filing taxes for my teen daughters. Um, I filed through TurboTax last year with one of my daughters, and I want to do that again this year, but I'm hearing that it's no longer free. Do you know anything about that? I do. Uh, the online version of TurboTax is still free if you have a simple return that only uses an IRS Form 1040 without any other schedules 
or attachments. Um, so you should still be able to do what you did last year. You can also uh, check out the IRS's website at irs.gov. They have a link there called Free File. And if you uh, follow that link, it will show you all of the different uh, free filing options. It lists several providers where you can file your taxes for free. But with a simple return that's 1040 only, you should still be able to do that with the online version of TurboTax. Okay, great. And then one more question. Um, I have CDs for both my girls, and they've just been with our local bank, but I want to switch them to online uh, CDs because they're getting a better return. Well, my right. oldest daughter just turned 18, so she's no longer a minor, but they don't know about this money, and we want to save it for a later date um, for whatever, and can I still do that for her without her knowing since she's no longer a minor? What, uh, what type of account is it right now? It's just a, just a regular CD. Okay, well, it's a custodial. It has her name. It has oh, her name cust- and my name. Yeah, but it is a custodial account. Currently, because I opened those accounts before, you know, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, a custodial account does become her asset at the age of majority. So, uh, once she reaches eighteen, if that's the age of majority in your state, it's her money to do with what she wants. So if you would have asked me prior to opening this account how you should handle it, I'd say don't put it in a custodial account. Uh, Just put it in an account either in your name or if you're married, you and your husband, and earmark it for your child, whichever child you would like, and maybe you have multiple accounts. And then you would just know that that money's there. It's separate, and therefore any interest is accruing in it. And then at the time of your choosing, you could gift it to your child, but once it goes into a custodial account, it's really her asset at the age of majority. Okay. Okay. Good to know. All right. Thank you very Very much. Very good. You're welcome, Jennifer. Thanks for calling today. I hope you'll make plans to join us again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by Faith by and listeners like you.